Hello and welcome to the Sala podcast. My name is Steph and in this episode I sat down with the team behind the 100 Barossa Artists project that took place in Sala 2020. We talked about what the visual arts could learn from football about visibility, the importance of the groundswell in driving community projects and the positive economic, personal and professional outcomes of their endeavours. We met in Adelaide on Ghana land, but talked about things happening across the traditional lands of the Ghana, Ngadjuri and Paramount people. We want to acknowledge the culture and community that has existed on these lands for tens of thousands of years and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'm here with Renee de Sachs, Kirsty Kingsley and Rebecca Reynolds, who are the driving force behind the 100 Barossa Artists Initiative. Now, in 2020, I came to the 100 Barossa Artists Exhibition in the She Is pop-up gallery space in the main street of Nuritba. And the show was beautifully installed with, you know, all this work from the community. But it was only when I got talking to Kirsty that I really started to grasp that this was actually just something way bigger than just an exhibition. In fact, I I don't even know what the right word is. You know, is it a project, an initiative, an endeavour? Can one of you just attempt to uh, explain the sort of origin and format of of what you're pursuing? Yeah, so it's turned into an endeavour. It certainly strangely started from a grant that we didn't actually get. Right. Um, This grant was based on the simple idea that one artist could impact 10 artists and then could impact 100 and would attract an audience to bring people to the Brossa. And the feedback that we got from that grant um, was it didn't have enough reach. So it was hard to take because we really believed in this project. And so I suppose we had a... uh, a moment of we might actually have to lead the way to show that this kind of does kind of moment and then since then it's developed into a digital exhibition linking with our regional gallery a, a book numerous collaborations it's just been a beautiful thing to do with these other two artists mm. and a hundred was actually 123 oh mm. my god yeah <laughs> how's that for reach <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a little bit of that and we can't remember it now, but when we first started talking about 100 artists in the Brossa making the we, what we believed was there, the invisible, visible, there was in other sort of areas of the community uh, almost disbelief that there could be 100 artists in our regional area. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that amazing looking back now? Yeah, and maybe we should just rehash some of the what those outcomes look like. So in the 2020 Sala Festival, there was the 100 Barossa Artists Exhibition at the Shears Pop-Up Gallery. So maybe we'll just start. That was a, many rooms filled with, were they all portraits? Yeah. yeah. They were all self-portraits. And there was also, um, uh, well, there were actually 270 Barossa Future Artists in the back room of that gallery. Um, there was the Digital Projection Trail um, in Tanunda. And then all of those artists, both the Brossa Future artists and the 100 Brossa artists were projected on the regional gallery in uh, Tanunda. And they also then found their way into the 100 Brossa artists book. That's a lot. (laughs) That was just 2020. I mean, a couple of the offshoots of that were the year 12 
uh, we ran a couple of Year 12 exhibitions um, and they'd never been done before, but they weren't strictly part of Hunter Brosser Artists. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. You, you brought two high schools that hadn't exhibited before together, Beck, and you also brought five kindies with the 270 future artists together and we we hung them. Renee was excellent at the curation of the exhibition. You mentioned that in the start. But the idea was everybody had the same canvas, same canvas size, and we were all represented as a community, not as townships. So, for example, the Angerston Kindy hung in a collective with Nuriupta and Chananda. So the little kids had to find themselves. And I think that was your, your genius and also made it easy to hang. Yeah. <laughs> the, the little one. <laughs> but that was with the, with the Hunter Brosser artists as well. There was no, it wasn't like the most well-known artist was hung first. Mm. They were hung equally yeah. and their work was displayed where they fell into the order. Mm. And then 10 digital artists, which, and was it 10 or was it, I feel like it Yes, there were definitely 10 main, but then we just had a lot of offshoots and a couple yeah. did two and <laughs> 12 artists and 18 sites, I think. I think oh, yeah. Really, yeah. yeah, it felt bigger than, yeah, than yeah. 10. It was, yeah. um, and that was great. And I was lucky enough to get to walk down and, and see it all. And even though it was such a cold, you know, winter festival, yeah. uh, it was such a cold time of year, but people were rugged up and, you know, mittens and all. And it was lovely to see artworks from the community in the shop fronts and the windows and it and it was like almost eerie how different that space was with that activation really cool that you got so many venues to agree to I mean was there just a bit of a spirit around you know help because it was community artists how hard one was that um it was the first year of COVID. Like, it's hard to believe now, given that we've been talking again about lockdowns mm. and what's going on in all across Australia, that actually that's a whole year ago mm. um, and that we've been living with COVID for a whole year. But it was that first year the Barossa had had a, an outbreak and we were locked down. It had affected the tourism industry quite heavily and the main street of Tanunda was quite quiet. Mm. So I think the opportunity to participate in something. I mean, a couple of people took a risk and on the back of those people taking a risk, well, not, it wasn't a risk as such. It was like a groundswell. It was like we got to a tipping point almost. Like the first couple we had to really talk to, and it wasn't just me, it was everybody going in and talking to people. <laughs> but once they started to understand what the idea was and that we were doing something for the community and that it would be bringing light to a dark space almost. I mean, that's a little bit of a cliche, but it was. It was dark and cold and winter. And, you know, even just imagining that there would be one or two, you know, displays of art in the main street, that was a really nice idea. And a few people got on board and then that enabled us to bring bring everyone else along. And they did. I think they all just did come along with the project. And got behind something. I think the reason why we went back to the 10 is that simple idea that one can impact 10 can impact 100. Mm -hmm. So the 100 Brossa Artists was actually launched with the 10 um, Brossa Artists initially at Wonderlust, which Renee was a key driver along with a lot of other artists in the Barossa, Wonderlust for the Fringe. Mm -hmm. And what we tried to do was make sure those initial 10 were as diverse as we could see in, in our own community hoping that those diverse artists so people who hadn't picked up a paintbrush since high school who had were brave enough to do their first piece for us and put it on a wall people who were practicing very successful artists hanging with them um, young artists all sorts of in all sorts of ways diverse artists 
And what we really wanted to do is that those people became the attractors for an, of another word to attract 10 other artists. So then we had the 100 as diverse as we possibly could imagine and who knows where. So Renee organised a, a fringe event. We didn't get the organised Wanderlust um, where we turned the town or the village, village of a thousand people of Greenock into an art gallery. So we activated all the shops, including the pub, um, which is seven. <laughs> but in saying that, we also activated the whole main street and walkways. We then partly closed the town for four hours on a Friday night for Valentine's Day. Oh. And we had 4,000 people come purely to see wow. art. Also in 2020. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is February 14, so it was <laughs> three weeks off. Yeah. Lots of things happening. And one of those exhibitions was the 10 Bross Artists, mm. which we then, Kirsty spent four hours talking to lots of potential artists who are now in a book. Yeah. Um, who we had to encourage. And uh, But I think the important thing about the 10, as well as being generationally different, the styles were completely different. We had mm. a textile artist who, was it 2,000 stitches, um, had displayed herself as a flower. So the village was decorated with um, community art. So people paid, I think, maybe $30 and got a massive big board. I can't even remember the size. Yeah, it was like a yeah. door frame, was it? Yeah, nice. similar to a door frame kind of size that were then displayed up and down the street. So that was sort of like the base of, you know, so already Greenock looked different. Yeah. And then that stayed up for the whole month. Um, yeah. In addition to all of the other things that happened at Wonderlust. Mm. So by doing that, we we're actually able to activate 60 artists just to participate in that. Yeah. And that wasn't including, we brought some artists up from Adelaide, including Baitbridge. But we also had performance, we had music. And the whole point was to be like a street party for people to wander and experience something new. And the feedback that we received was, was just that, that people who'd lived in the region for decades had never experienced or never felt quite at home as they did in that, with that festival. Wow. And that led... We'd already started obviously planning 100 Ross Artists, but that sort of kicked off the next six months of activation with 100 Ross Artists as well. Yeah. So there was a lot of trust in the community that our intention was about the community and yes. shining a light on artists that were already in the region. Beck Reynolds did a great job with the digital artists. Back to that, she actually got about 18 shop keys. <laughs> so there's a lot of trust when you're thinking about yeah. that um, for people to trust their, with their space, but also allowed the audience to participate in a COVID-friendly way. Mm -hmm. This was a similar sort of time as we are now, which is August 21, are we? Yeah. 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 No, July 21. <laughs> yeah. Um, thinking about Sala. Um, that people in family groups could view art and um, the regional gallery exhibited all the self-portraits of the 100 Brussels artists. So there's there was a very physical presence of being a part of a community, even though family groups could have just driven down the street if they were in had different situations in terms of isolation, wanting to isolate at that time. Mm. Um, so it was always with the thought of trying to be inclusive. How can we expand this? How can we be more inclusive? How can we encourage people to participate? How, we, how can they be reflected in the window so they can see that we all are by nature creative?
of the venues that participated in the tender gelatas, they loved it, like completely got on board. Oh, and so um, to the extent that I did another, uh, was more history orientated event earlier this year, and I had people asking if they wow. could be involved. Which is probably the same with Greenock. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Like United. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then of Greenock, three places ended up exhibiting art all the time, including the pub. Oh, wow, <laughs> so, art as a result of yes. the activation. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm. So oh, they now it, have art artists exhibiting. Yeah, it's funny because you think about it, or it's easy to think about this just in terms of the benefit to the artist, but really it is so important that these venues and these spaces have an experience where they see the merit in it. And those venues saw 4,000 people come in for hours. Mm. So, you know, that really does show that people are craving that experience of of participating and viewing art and chatting to the artists. And, yeah, it was a lovely thing, beautiful thing. Mm. So to get a little bit deeper, what was it that made you realise that these invisible artists, as we're sort of terming them, were in the community and needed to be spotlighted. What was it? I'm sure it wasn't one single thing, but what really drove that home for you in the early days? Yeah, visual arts are often done in studios, kitchen tables. We saw Clarence Beckett exhibition the other day. That really came home in sheds. They're often a messy enterprise. It's not. Um, it's not like a. It's not often a pretty studio where the work is done. The work is done quietly and often in people's minds. It takes time to boil up. Um, I was introduced by art um, because uh, Renee actually asked me to come along to an art class. But a lot of the work is often done in isolation, and um, it's just the nature of the practice. And so we realised there was a real need to show a clubhouse. We have sporting, many sporting clubs in the Barossa, football and soccer, and everyone wears a uniform. Renee talked about it quite early in the, in the early days, trying to communicate a point across that if we could show a clubhouse how many people were there, and that's why we chose that self-portrait medium, that people could visibly see how many people were in the community. And I think she, she spoke beautifully and, in fact, I hear people repeat it back to us now. And the idea that there's not just one clubhouse because the idea of putting all the football footballers into one clubhouse yeah. is almost laughable and we get that instinctively. Yeah. But, you know, the same with artists. I mean, our expertise is visual arts. We don't have expertise in dance and music, although sometimes we think we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a great analogy that, you know, the visibility of, of the, the group and, yeah, clubhouse, I like that, yeah. that term. And it connects people. If you, you know, you think of going to a clubhouse and you think of making connections mm. and knowing who else is in the club mm. and I think that that was something that was quite important about this and our opening night we didn't have for the general public, we actually had for the artists. We just And it was obviously a little bit covid sensitive but we invited all the artists to the gallery and it was just for them so that they knew who each other were mm. and who else was in the exhibition yeah and I remember talking to you when I visited the show and because it's not obvious if you're not you know in that group but there was all these other little offshoots that came from the networking and you know people's trying to skill build and and you know seek out you know almost mentoring from each other um can you speak a bit more to those little other things that followed yeah I mean look we've even I think we've had our first 100 boss artist relationship <laughs> brilliant job well done then <laughs> I 
think I think when you know other people who are sporty or are interested in sport, you can recognise them. There's a, a shared platform, even though, as Rebecca said before, the mediums were quite different and everyone were exhibiting their self-portrait in. But there's a touch point that you can speak about. So to be honest, the, the collaborations and the offshoots are enormous. Uh, so from the future artists, from the kindy kids who brought in their families, from a child that was, um, do you remember the story? No. Yeah, 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 I think so. Um, it was, it was just a very, it was actually just quite special because it was a non-verbal child, and you know, like um, small children with challenges, are, that's quite a stressful time for families, clearly. And um, this child had been given a pen, and really the teachers didn't expect him to do very much and basically he drew his self-portrait but it was in 3d was like it was quite amazing and I would every time I went out to that back gallery where all the future artists were um, and I mean the the sense of um, the happiness that that gave so many people was amazing like from the kindy teachers through to the family it was cool Um, when his parents came in they he couldn't remember which one he had done and when I worked out who it was, uh, his mum cried because they actually hadn't seen him pick up a pencil before. Wow. So the fact that he had then drawn a full head and body and, oh. and good brain and everything in there, wasn't it? It was, ama- yeah. it was amazing. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> mm. Yeah. And each artist told us their stories when we published the book and it was almost by default when they submitted their artwork that they wrote because all these canvases were delivered in a lockdown. So Mm -hmm. I literally put them on front of people's doors and spoke through grills with them and they wrote their stories when they submitted their artwork and we really didn't understand how poignant that whole case was. So when we came to publish the book and we started to read everybody's individual stories, I remember Renee sat on the floor of the art gallery, (laughs) which was our office. We joked it was our office. We would push our backs against the wall and have our little laptops and think, where else would you want to be? There was wood in there. (laughs) Renee bought some stumps in from her farm and we had a a red red velvet couch. Oh, yeah, the couch was good. We got that from the op shop (laughs) down the road. Brilliant. and then I remember you saying we need to put these stories in because, you know, people who had been home with children who had forgotten about creative pursuits did their first piece for a while and they met others. Really interesting. Art teachers were amazingly, I think there was 10, ten art teachers. Yeah. They started doing their own exhibition. Often they're very focused on, on the kids and their mm. exhibition. We saw members of 2D Arts exhibit as a community it was yeah so many outcomes in fact each artist if we went through the book and I probably did do that to you Steph (laughs) it was a good flick through (laughs) um when you walk through the gallery we knew their stories which is amazing because you know we didn't know that before this exhibition yeah and wonderful to be I think the thing that floored me was that obviously you're part of this community and trying to do these things to make the arts more visible but to then have that trust placed in you by people who have perhaps not picked up a pencil for however long and and for this to be the time where they venture back into that or into art for the first time um I just think that's incredible that people would take that risk so one ex-army a man who has given us permission to share his story Mm -hmm. it's um, a little bit in the book he um 
He was waiting for an assistance dog. It was really quite difficult to contact through COVID and I would sometimes try to wait for him in the gallery and wasn't there and I was thinking, well, you know, we don't want to make anybody do anything that they don't want to do. If the, if it rises up within them, that's great, then we can celebrate that. And in the end, he bought this most detailed, exquisite um, stencil style artwork with immense detail and it had so much meaning for him and he chose not to come to some events and but that was him participating in something that gave him a lot of pleasure and you could see his perfectionism in the artwork it was palpable and we actually had other people come into that gallery and and not know the story of the artist but one was a physiotherapist that worked with army vets Mm -hmm. and she could pick she went straight up said to renee this person being in the army it was wow. it was palpable and I'm so proud of him and he actually said I said you know are you sure that you want to share this story and he said absolutely this is the road to recovery this is how you know creativity is one of his tools that he uses yeah yeah and that's just one of those many wow. portraits it's just one yeah 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 and that's why we couldn't help but put them we, I think when we started thinking about the book, we thought just the artwork and a little bit of information about the artist, but the stories were amazing. Just stories on top of stories because yeah. it's what they wrote and then what they came in and said. And then, for example, um, one of the artists has trigeminal neuralgia. Her super realistic pencil work is just incredible. There's someone actually came in who lived next to a person who had trigeminal neuralgia came back and got in contact with us because the other person had um, had an operation in Sydney and had recovered so they were wanting to get in contact with her to say so she wouldn't suffer but it's those stories that were up on the wall and the looks on the people's faces and those connections that were created it's just on so many levels have made an impact um, on people's lives another artist who moved to the Brossa only just before Wonderlust, and he actually said he's never felt part of a community in his life, (laughs) Um, which sadly was broken up with COVID and um, then us not having a space anymore. But it's an amazing thing that a 40-plus-year-old man has never felt as part of community. As he does now. Yeah, and does now. He does. He's going to classes. Oh, is he? On the last day that the exhibition was open, um, there was this quite special, it was almost a little bit like a vortex. So we had this group of quite young artists, well, comparatively speaking, young artists. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Young artists, and they had been really supportive and so helpful for both the 100 Brosser artists. They helped us hang. They came and walked the streets with us in Tanunda with the 10 Digital Artists. They exhibited in the 10 Digital Artists, did some just amazing things um and so they they were there and then we were there and then there was three slightly older artists who didn't actually put artwork in but all were artists and all were very involved with or one had sorry one was involved sally um Mm. but they'd been very involved with arts maybe five to ten years previous and so all these it's almost like three generations turned up in the gallery all on the same day and it was the most hopeful thing 
even though, you know, some people are a bit tired. Some We were all a bit tired by the end of I August, to be perfectly honest with you. But there was talking about walking on um, stilts. 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 Talking on stilts and all sorts of things. And it was just this coming together and that was how it ended, that we were all there and that we were all looking towards the future and what could happen next. In the and Joe does know how to walk on stilts. Now. Sally taught him yep. in his shed. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, and Joe was one of the young. He did what we call him young, but he did a portrait. He also did um, ten Barossa Digital Artists and mm. did an amazing dance in that. And um, he has learned to work on stilts. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's wait, pretty cool. Work, work on stilts. Walk on, walk, walk on, on stilts. stilts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah they yeah. were talking about it in the gallery, and then they've met separately outside. To learn to do it. Yeah, so that's why we, if you just pick, it actually would have been easier if you just pointed to a picture in the book. <laughs> they sound like they all have this level of, you know, nuance and backstory and future story, though, yeah. which is just incredible. Yeah, because yeah. artists want to create, they also want to collaborate. It's just a natural thing. And if we can provide spaces and clubhouses for them, then it almost takes care of itself, it doesn't does it? Because you sort of you seek out, you can kind of tell when someone's on your level. And mm. and did you have did you have anyone come in to talk to their work or anything like that? Or oh, look, sorry, the thing we've missed out, and and it's the core of everything is this is the groundswell. So everything has been sort of run through the filter of 123 artists. So whilst we helped collaborate that, we're not speaking. F- for those 123, they might have different views. But I do know that 36 of them came in and volunteered and sat in the gallery. So at least two of them were sitting. Often we would pair them because I'm a little bit of a matchmaker, like even a (laughs) friend matchmaker. (laughs) And we would hope to put them on the same day. So they are similar in their work Mm. or similar style that we thought might get along. Mm. Um, And so they could speak about their work and but then they could also speak about others because that's how the community widens and expands and more creativity can come in so Dylan Butler I can think of he did a beautiful tour and what I loved is of the 100 artworks he could speak everybody's story so he knew that and he was new to the region as well so immediately he's got this cultural connectivity What it did do was start a conversation between people who don't consider themselves artists and going in and when there's 123 people from your community on a wall, the potential is that you know at least one of them. And in doing that, that conversation then could start in the street, in the supermarket, at a birthday party. And people like to know something about somebody (laughs) as a conversation starter. And I think that between Wonderlust with 60 artists there and then with um, 100 Brossa artists, it's that conversation starter and it starts about art, which for six months was probably the top of everybody's talk list, really. Um, And I think that was probably a really important thing. And um, just adding to that, so, and again, yes, it was 2020, but, um, and so a lot of events were cancelled, but 2020 in the Brossa, the biggest events, numbers-wise, were not food and wine events. They were arts events. Wow. So we had almost about 10,000 people 
between each of the events. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. so don't ever knock back a grant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's phenomenal. But that, it, but, and it has, I think, it has tweaked. I wouldn't want to say it had changed, but it has certainly added a dimension to people's considerations about the brossa in the brossa. They, there's more talk about arts, and I'm sure it's not because of us three, but it's because of the groundswell. Mm. It's about, it is that reach. Well, the momentum's there it's, now. Yeah. yeah, and it is the 10 to 100, and it is that reach as it grows. Mm. And there's a generosity of artists that had been there before because it's all about timing, whether you can spend the time in the community doing this kind of work. Our children were age that we could do it. There's artists particularly female artists before us that have gone before and many came in the gallery and gave us support. It was it was very much like it. In fact, some of them are exhibiting at Sala for at the Brossard Regional Gallery with Running With The Wolves yeah. and that is just going to be an amazing exhibition to see. Yeah, yeah like I get goosebumps <laughs> thinking about it because <laughs> they are just amazingly creative women. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all involved with Wanderlust too, actually. Yes. Mm-hmm. They were all yeah. part of that. Yeah, it was a big, big group with Wanderlust 11 at least. Yeah. Mm. And how wonderful to have that, you know, almost handing over and and continuity because really everyone's in doing, when you're doing something like this, it it is for the right reasons. It's it's for that genuine concern about, you know, showing the community and and unveiling the people that are already doing creative things. Yeah, and you do it when you have time. That's right. And then there's time to reflect and go back to your other practice. Yeah. Yeah. A number of community galleries have also opened up since, not community, just um, private galleries, small private galleries, and quite a few of our 100 Brossa artists um, artists are actually exhibiting in those galleries. So people who wouldn't have actually thought of ever producing to exhibit before. Right. Isn't that just it? That It's just that simple shift of, no, but you can be an artist and it, seeing yourself in that way. And, you know, I almost hate the word sometimes because there's such people, no, I'm not, I'm not an artist, I just, I just doodle or I just dabble. Yeah, if you come in from it sideways, we found that there was very few people that didn't say that they weren't an artist when approached in, the right, in, in a way. And it might be that we've got close community connections, but, but we found that when people felt that they could share of themselves without too many rules and regulations, they were prepared to give. And so then those 123, all of them now have been published. All of them did a CV or bio or artistic bio. They've all exhibited. So there's such a great launching spot. Plus I can't wait to see some of those four and five-year-olds when they're 30 and 40, remembering in 2020, which people will often write about just because it's the year it is, they were exhibited as creative at some point so they might circle back to that artistic practice just like you would if you thought well I did a little ass in when I was five or six maybe I'll try a sport when I'm a bit older it's mm. same kind of philosophy if you open it to everyone yeah, yeah. so those are not many people that said no I'm not an artist mm. well when you delve, dive deep <laughs> yeah this is everyone's career or maybe so. Renee's just really oh. persuasive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think the most important part of both projects was that we actually just went bigger than what you would probably normally do. Mm. And we actually put quite defined boundaries on it as well. <laughs> so um, I think that was probably True. important yeah. because everyone came, oh, but I don't paint on canvas. Or, oh. I, don't, I, don't, I don't paint that size or 
can't I just do this and can't that just be landscape? He's like, no, these are the rules. <laughs> but it's interesting because people had to step up and people got pushed. Mm. So people who would consider themselves artists, but I paint like this yeah. um, or I paint like that, I only do landscapes. It's like, well, have, like you have to do a portrait, which of course not all portraits were a face. Mm. There was lots of different versions of what a portrait is, which also challenged then people who were coming in to view it because, like, well, that's not a portrait, that's a picture <laughs> of a road. And it's like, well, <laughs> our person yeah. decides yeah. what their portrait, what represents them is up to them. But having those clear distinctions really pushed people and saying, no, we don't want 500 people at Wonderlust, we want 2,000 people at Wonderlust, just pushed everyone outside their comfort zone just enough. Then to get 4,000 people, like now you'd, wouldn't blink an eye at it because we just coped <laughs> ran out of food but coped um, but there was plenty of art so that was yeah. that was my only job yeah. our only job so I think they've kind of been what's defined those projects mm-hmm. um, and helped people all sort of step up yeah, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah. that's true even with the digital artists again so that because we had the idea of projecting the portraits but then the extension of that really all of the everything fell into place when we clearly defined that what they would need the artists would need to come up with was a self-portrait to keep it in line and when we defined that for them I think if you define an exciting idea yeah people come along and if there is it is clearly defined then you get those practicing amazing artists are like yeah absolutely I'll join you and then then you've got other people knowing what the expectations are Mm. so that was really well done and so for anyone that might have similar aspirations to, you know, involved in their community in a creative way, do you think that's key, that real clarity of intention uh, is what really unites it and makes it work? <laughs> well, obviously. But also, yeah, but also you have to have your door open because okay. you, can't, you can't create a community when you're excluding part of your community. Yes. You know, like that's... <laughs> got to ignite their imagination though yeah. mm. and have something to hook into and promote it well with something yeah. that you know we often talk about artists as just it's not just but as artists yet we never think about footballers or, or soccer players it just so, we understand mm. that there's a whole person there and going back to that club analogy so then other people can show another aspect of them mm. and um yeah yeah. So if other people are thinking about it in other communities, it's definitely tra- it's 100% transferable. There's, mm. there's definitely things, and, and it's happening in other communities. Mm. From where you're from in Griffith, Renee, you've had similar Yeah, that's been really interesting in the last, well, I've left seven years ago, and to see where they're going as well. And there's been a big focus there also, I mean, it's a different state, but on community art. Mm. And I think... I had a great conversation with one of the organisers behind their art and prior to this year and then this year she started just creating groups and putting art anywhere they can find. Yeah. Um, and that was probably the thought about behind Wonderlust was we actually don't need a building. No. You can actually turn anything into a gallery, which actually was a quote from Jane Skier oh, I have to, to um, give credit for because it was that sitting in my brain for the for a year from 2018 oh, wow. yeah. through to 2019 and then we came up with Wonderlust when Kirsty sent me a 
article about a little post office in Yukai that's turned into a gallery. And it's just like, right, well, let's just do this. Um, and that was a copy. And three hours later, we had seven businesses on board. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that happens in every community. Mm. That happens in every regional community, as long as it's a groundswell from the artists. Mm. So if you let creative people do what the creative people want to do, they, they're volunteering their own time for things like this. Really, they need to just use their super skills mm. and don't ask them to do anything that they don't want to do. And then you have these amazing events. Yeah. And, I mean, ironically, wine, which is our go-to was actually the hardest and the biggest hurdle that we had to for organizing the event huh. biggest cost biggest hurdle um so next time we get <laughs> <laughs> ready for it <laughs> so yeah that's right but it's yeah it makes it really interesting actually yeah i'll say yeah <laughs> I guess the other question that I've got is what's next for this endeavour, as we're calling it? We just follow rivers and streams, what bubbles up with our communities. That's actually the truth, how all good things um, start. But we really feel that there's a thousand Brossa artists. Um, a thousand? Yeah. Yeah, in the Brossa. Glad I'm sitting down for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we need to talk to our community about that, see if there's appetite for that, but we're really feeling at the moment there is. Um, events like Sala really help remind people of the importance of art. It's, it's important during this winter period to have something to focus on. So we think maybe 2022, um, there's the capacity there. Wow. So, yeah. Um, we yeah. think that could be um, visual artists and the number of different art forms. Because we do think we can dance and sing. <laughs> but if we're thinking about um, art within the community, we're also looking at local resources and, and making artistic um, products for the use of another word so we can really have our own language. Um, it's already there and, again, it's just making it more visible. We've got materials that we can use within the community and really showcase the area and it's how it's reflected in the art. And so we've got some exciting things that we're working on. Beck, Renee and myself and another artist, Roland Waite, are working on Barossa Grapevine Charcoal, which is a byproduct from the vineyard in pruning time, which is about now. Um, so we're offering workshops in how to make it, but also as a product for local artists to use. That's incredible. So that gives, gives us goosebumps. Mm. Yeah, and charcoal such a, for drawing, like, Yes. Better, way better than a pencil. <laughs> yeah, and connecting to the community in that way and, you know, the vineyard, that's... Oh, and it's oh, something cool. that's all around us. And um, The charcoal comes from Rebecca's family vineyard, um, Steinbonner Reynolds, and the workshops will be held in the vineyard, eating and drinking the things that we actually eat and drink <laughs> while we're making charcoal, namely uh, stout and strudel. <laughs> um and we're sharing that knowledge with others during Sala. So that's something new for us to offer workshops. Renee's actually quite well-known charcoal artist. She's very humble about that. But um, So she'll be helping um, people explore that medium, which is great. Cool. Mm. Yeah, incredible. Dirty work, I'm sure. Yes. Don't wear white, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. how wonderful to tie that back in and, yeah. And it's something that... Um, 
we're quite passionate about upskilling and providing opportunities for upskilling mm-hmm. and just learning. I think um, life is about learning new skills and learning to look at things in a slightly different way. So, mm-hmm. you know, the more the more of these sort of workshops that we can um, be involved in, the better. Yeah, it certainly lines up with the ethos of, of what you're doing, doesn't it? You know, doing that all together and sharing. Mm. And, and we really want to say thank you to Sala because I first exhibited a, a, a year after I picked up a paintbrush at... Um, up there. Artisans? Yeah, at Artisans Brossa, which was our first Sala event. It was the Shears Girls, so five artists. We kind of helped each other put an exhibit together. Renee had already been exhibiting, some, Janelle had already been exhibiting. However, the, the strength of the group and the promotion from Sala as a collective, especially in our region, was just f- fantastic. And I think we're three or four exhibitions on, so it wouldn't have happened without a platform like Sala. That enabled us to get um, a pop-up gallery, um, a free space for 12 months in the end. Um, And that was our second exhibition and that's where we actually had 100 Ross artists. So yes, that was... How good is that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. No, it's what we love to see. Well, thank you all so much for coming and, and talking about this project. It's clearly close to home and just wonderful to see. And I know I'll definitely be watching on eagerly for the next bit and and all that comes in future. So a thousand artists. Let's see if we can do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>